Good morning, Revelers, and happy July. So Pride is over, and this was unfortunately not out in time for Pride, but it is what it is. And I am presenting you today my first ever trans guest. My guest is Tori Andre Grimaldi, quite the spokesperson for living your best life, doing what you gotta do to be the real you. And he will talk about his life, his transformation, and I hope really inspire everyone to carpe diem. This episode is named after his Italian tattoo. I think that that's a fun new title. We've never done anything like this. I do have to warn you, this is not an easy one. There's a lot of uh, tough topics, mm, harsh words. Anyway, it's very sensitive and triggering, and I just wanted to warn you about that. This is not something that you want to play in the company of others, especially minors. Tori is a faithful Revel Revel listener, and he mentions three previous podcasts. The most recent one, the Brian Knark one, and also Remy Mraz and Jenny Davis Rail. It is not necessary for you to listen to those first, but it might be helpful to get caught up. But if not, no big deal. And finally, he messed up and didn't mean to out somebody. And so I learned how to beep. So you're going to hear some weird beeps throughout, which is just the woman's name that we're beeping out. So without further ado, please enjoy Tori Andre Grimaldi. Welcome to Rebel Rebel. I am Lauren Drabble, and today I have a very special guest, Tori Andre Grimaldi. Welcome. Hey, Lauren. How you doing? I'm glad we finally, finally got this technical stuff on my end. Gosh, I know. It's so for for everyone to know, we've been trying to do this for weeks now, yeah. and it's unfortunately now the end of June, and there's pretty much no way I'll have it edited in time to finish Pride Month, but... It's either I do my normal editing and get it out when I get it out, or I slapdash it to get it out by the 30th. So we'll see how it goes. That's okay. Pride never ends. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So as you know, we always start out with how we know each other. And officially, I don't think we've ever met, but you can correct my bad memory. Have uh, we ever met in person? I think we might have bumped heads between... Back when I left Black Mountain Middle School, eighth grade, I was kind of transient between high schools of Mount Carmel and Poway because my mom was sick. So I think we made a bump in the hallways. And then I think as, you know, Facebook came to go, we started seeing, you know, friends liking friends through Facebook. And I think you were in my circle and uh, names never, you know, I remember listening to Brian that our, our memories as childhood, you know, a lot of that was like bleak. So I don't know. We might have bumped into each other. I don't think we piled around uh, as close as uh, all the things you and Brian did. <laughs> I don't think we had that opportunity, mm-hmm. but uh, the best is no time better than present that uh, our lives met for a reason. Exactly. Okay. So if we had known each other in high school, what was your name back then? It was Terry Hunt and uh, birth name was Teresa and uh, Hunt, the Terry and Teresa are my dead names, but that's what everybody knew me as is uh, Terry. Growing up, it was always Terry. Okay. So I really don't think we ever knew each other, but like <laughs> you said, through the, through the magic of networking through our Mount Carmel friends, particularly uh, on Facebook or at reunions, we've been talking Absolutely. on Facebook for, for about what, two, three years? Uh, now, about two maybe? or three years. I think it was, it, it started right when I got back to California. So yeah, it's been about three years. Okay. So let me preface the rest of our talk by just a few things. First of all, you are my first trans guest. Thank you. In And no, thank you. And trying <laughs> to prepare. And you know, there's been a lot of stuff going around this Pride Month. And so I tried to listen to a whole bunch of other podcasts, like the history of trans and 
all this stuff. And I feel like partially there was a lot to digest and I don't know how much I did actually retain. And then B, because we had to keep postponing our interview, I've probably forgotten a ton. But the one thing I really looked forward to in talking to you was that you kept saying things to me like, don't worry. This is a learning experience. We're all going to learn about this together. I'm an open book. You can ask me anything. And I think there's so many people who are afraid of saying the wrong thing. And, you know, the part of it is that just our mouths do not work as quickly as our brains do. And so just the stupid shit comes out or <laughs> you mangle things that you don't mean to. And, you know, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. So I will try very hard not to say the wrong thing. But the great thing is that if I do, everyone else will learn along with me. Absolutely. With this conversation. Absolutely. So, so as you know, the theme of the podcast in general is serendipity or the universe or whatever word you choose to use. And I know that you've posted a lot about the universe uh, in the past couple of years. So that's good. I think that we are on the same page that that's the word that you'll use. So can you start us off on what life was like as a little boy who was in this world as a little girl to the outward onlookers? It it, it was tough because I'm the youngest of four and it it all goes back in short terms uh, where, you know, my mom was full-blood Italian. She met my dad when he was in the service station in Italy. I have two half-brothers. We all have the same mother and me and my sister have the same biological father. I was the only one born in the States because if my mom had waited you know, 17 more days, I would have been born in Italy. Well, with that said, we came to the States in uh, 1967, uh, my mom carrying me. And, you know, growing up, I was born, you know, I was the youngest. My brothers were protective. You know, my sister and me are two years apart. I think I always heard my mom say she wanted to have one boy, one girl with my biological father. Well, that didn't happen. (laughs) They got two girls and I was uh, born female, you know, at birth. And, uh, But it's just like looking at pictures, my mom was always putting identical dresses on me and my sister. We were never twins and you couldn't keep those clothes on me long enough. And that's why my brothers always came home in their underoos or whatever, because they were putting their boy clothes on me to save me from, you know, being exposed, you know. And I said, I'm a boy. My my baby boy name was Bobby. I was, Bobby was my boy name. And I, I just, I had it in my mentality that, you know, you know, when my mom, I, I'm not saying it was my mom's fault, you know, directing, cause they say, you know, you are what you eat. You, you follow in the paths of how your parents raise you. Um, it wasn't anything like that. You know, it was, I wasn't scorned to be a mistake being a girl. It's just, you know, just my mom being full blood Italian, you know, we're, we're very vocal and we express, we express that sometimes not, not many people in the society would understand. And I think that kind of goes with uh, any kind of race or, um, uh, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, my mom would just make gestures like, you know, you're a boy, you're a boy. And I wore my brother's clothes and um, I was never a girl grown up. I mean, you could look at my baby pictures and it was all boy clothes. I mean, I I hated my long hair. It's like, uh, it, it was just hard. But then when I got my teenage years, you know, I never really, liked looking at boys I never had like girl boy crushes I just played with the boys and I kind of acted like a boy I bullied like a boy you know you tease the girls you pull their hair and I was a girl doing that to other girls and it was um it's just I think I'm not saying it was a childhood thing where I was marked as okay I'm going to grow up to be a lesbian or I'm going to grow up to be a trans man you know being at that young age we don't know what that stuff is so just society is what helped me develop thoughts and questions. And uh, I was physically born a girl, but I wanted to be a boy. So it's like, I didn't want to date guys. So I, 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 I had my first girl kiss when I was 13 years old. I kissed another girl. And uh, I just, I loved women from that day on. And I didn't, you know, in the, you know, my mom being Roman Catholic and all this, you know, was forbidding to date anyone with the same sex. So I think to comfort my head and, 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 you know, I had to hide it. Of course, I, I had to be a closeted lesbian for a long time. And um, I think just, you know, throughout the years, just, I, I was a society watcher. 
I, I followed people. I just like, I didn't know what was right or what was wrong. I hung out with adults at my younger ages. Uh, I think when I was 16, 17 years old, I was hanging out with 30 year old lesbians and I was learning that mm. experience. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, wow. It, it was a road. I still, I'm still to this day am learning. I learned something new about my community every day. So let's go back though. So yeah, you always think you felt like a boy? Yeah, or absolutely. Like wh- what's your earliest memory of that? And how old do you think um, you were? I remember being in the sixth or seventh grade when my boobs started to grow. I mm-hmm. hated them. I was like, what are these things? Oh, boys aren't supposed to have these. So I started to ace rap. You can ask some of our colleagues and uh, they remember because I would uh, take private showers in the PE room. I was embarrassed to show my body. Because it was a girl's body, I wasn't a girl. And if I could, if I could have passed going to the boy, I think I did sneak into the uh, boys' locker room to take a shower when I was in charge of getting all the equipment. And I was kind of looking around and I was checking out the urinals. And yeah, this is a Pandora box. People said we never knew this about you. I used to pretend to pee at the urinal at Black Mountain Middle School because it was ah. Uh, I know it's going to sound weird, but if you're trans, you understand this. It was such a good feeling to have that like feeling for just a second that you felt valid mm-hmm. to yourself. But then the minute turn around, you heard, hey, Terry, or, or they called you she or her, you know, that superhero effect kind of went away for me. You know what I'm saying? So I just I didn't know what gay was. I didn't know what lesbian was. I didn't know what pride was. I would look at the older generation's. I'm 16, they're 20s. I mean, I used to like, like, why, why are men dressing up with makeup? Why do they have wigs? And, and I, I had so many questions growing up. I just was never a girl, Lauren. I was never a girl. I just couldn't see myself that way. So you had all these questions growing up. Who could you turn to? Who could you talk to about these things, if anyone? The elder lesbians. <laughs> they, okay. they had a multitude of answers for me from all different races. And it was great because I, I learned, I was priced streetwise at 16 years old. So they were counseling you in general, but also in how to be a lesbian then maybe? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I didn't even know the thing about how to approach a woman. I just thought, you know, if she flirted with me first, then she likes me. It wasn't always like that because <laughs> lesbians were flirtatious and I had a lot of fun and it's just the questions were, oh my God, the labels. I didn't know what kind of lesbian I was when I was 16. I had to ask my elder lesbians, what's a butch? What's a stem? What's a femme? What's a lipstick? And it was, I learned a lot from my, the elder generation of the gay community. And I even met gay guys and I would ask them questions all the time. And there was some times where I would hear a gay guy talk and be like, you know, is that a boy or a girl? So I had just as much questions of, how could I say it? The sexuality, I was kind of uncomfortable about it because then when I started to learn what labels were, I was so afraid what my label would be. I just, uh, being so young, you know, when you're that young, it's like I, I missed a lot of I could go in the bars, the the gay bars or the lesbian bars. And and I wanted to do that. And I wanted to see what it was. And I would I was always watching in public when I saw a gay couple. And I always fantasized. I want that to be me, but I, I don't want to be a lesbian, if that makes sense. Hmm. No. So what does that mean that you didn't want to be a lesbian? Because boys aren't lesbians. And mm, okay. boys are supposed to be straight, right? If they like girls, they're supposed to be straight. I didn't know what a trans man was until recently. You know, I moved to Baltimore and I went to my first drag show and I was like, they're like, that that was a girl. I was like, what do you mean that was a girl? And I remember that was 20 some odd years ago where I didn't know what a drag, a, a trans man was or a trans female. I wasn't educated because I wasn't. I grew up with lesbians all my life. I didn't meet any trans males or females growing up. So throughout my years of being in the LGBTQT community, I'm still learning to this day. I mean, I do. All I knew was the lesbian world. So when did you come out as a lesbian? Oh, wow. (laughs) 
whoo, I want to say sixth grade, but it's like, I didn't know the educational part of that. I just, it was at Black Mountain Middle School, seventh grade. One of my classmates, I don't want to out her, so I won't say her name because we don't talk anymore, but seventh grade, Black Mountain Middle School was my first lesbian relationship because we kissed in like fifth or sixth grade and we Mm -hmm. got together in seventh grade and we were together like three, four, five years after that. And uh, yeah, continuously. Yeah. We were together and we were hiding from her mom and her dad. And I was hiding. I think we got caught by my oldest brother, John. (laughs) Oh God. You just opened up a memory box. That's, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) I remember the first day we got caught together. Like she had spent the night and um, yeah, that was a trip. So do you think that the general population knew at least about you that you were really out or was it just like a select few people knew when I first came out, it was only a select few, but then (laughs) being young and being in junior high, we don't have filters on what we say in the hallways. I had Mm -hmm. gotten in a fight with my girlfriend and she blurted something. I'll just say it. There's no filter on this show. Right. Right. No, you can say whatever you want. She said something as in means where I was kind of being flirtatious to one of our classmates and she didn't like that classmate. She got mad. She came up and she said, well, why don't you just go kiss and suck Lisa's titties? And everybody just like, you <laughs> like <laughs> everybody turned and I was outed right there. We both were outed. Okay. And that was very uncomfortable for me very uncomfortable because it got to some kids that felt uncomfortable about it to where they told their parents and then they called the school and then they called my family. Then they called her family and then, but they called our parents, her parents, all of us were in the office one day and it was like a big deal. And I felt like, because back then it's like, it was almost an abomination. If you were gay or anything, it was like (gasps) sin. I mean, seventh grade, it's like psychiatry is coming into this point. I mean, seriously, it was a big deal. I mean, it made me very depressed. Heard this and then rumors started. And then I was getting letters, you know, like mockery Mm -hmm. letters, like, you know, you big old fat lesbo. And I didn't know what it's like. What's what's that? I mean, I didn't know the vocabulary. So then being a younger age, I was talking to the older generations of the gay community, the lesbians that were kind of the role models and, you know, when I was comfortable around them, I, I had to ask the vocabulary of like, you know, this is what's going on at my school. I'm in seventh grade, you know, I'm like, what, like 10, 11, 12 years old, 13, 14. I don't know. It's like, uh, now my parents know her parents knew we weren't allowed to see each other. We couldn't hang out, could do sleepovers. And we ran away together. Oh, wow. We ran away. Where'd you go? Um, not far, (laughs) probably up to the middle of the black mountain, the BM where all the, (laughs) we kind of camped out there at a tent and we had our friends bring us food. I think we only gone two days. We didn't really run away. (laughs) We just, we (laughs) thought we did, but we got to be alone for two days. God, it's like some things I can remember my childhood and there's some things I don't, but any part of my sexuality, I can remember to a T. So let's go back though. So you're really little and you think that your, your real name is Bobby. I gave Bobby the alias because Teresa and Terry were too femme. And when strange kids would know me or I would go to another town or community like skateboarding or to the beach, I would go to the beach a lot because my brother, Tom was a big, big, huge surfer. And my mom would like, you want to go to the beach? You think of your little sister. And then I was, mm-hmm. tell, and I even tell my brother, I was like, can I just be your little brother? He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Carry my circle, carry this. You know, I, I pretty much was this little bitch. If, you know, <laughs> I carried this stuff for him at the beach. Nobody likes their little siblings tagging along with them. Right. So, you know, so I would go toward Pines Beach and stuff. And I just, I met some other kids and girls there. So I became, I made myself a little boy. And I was like, I love that second part of me because those who didn't know me, didn't know me in junior high or didn't know me as Teresa or Terry and uh, didn't know that I had two brothers and one sister. Like I used, I had this huge fantasy, Lauren. I used to take my shirt off and, you know, and, and, and it's just like, there's so many things I did as a child where I, I think I closeted myself. 
I had no idea what gay sexuality was. I wouldn't have labeled myself a lesbian at that age. I mean, all I know is I felt that I was vesseling this body that was a mistake at birth. And, you know, it's just like, you know, I, I, I could never ask my parents questions. And, you know, my brothers, and so they were doing their own thing because they were experiencing them being young. You know, they were experiencing with drugs and sex and all that. And here I'm the baby of the family. And I was big at watching people and uh, no one taught me to be gay. I mean, I just, it, I, it's hard to explain, I guess, but it's like, you know, when you get that feeling, it's like you're coming out of your skin where you just, uh, you're not, you're not really taught things, but you just, I mean, I guess I had a mind of my own. I mean, I could probably have my own fairy tales because <laughs> I, I created a world that, was secure in my own little way and and i felt safe whether i was a female or a male it's like i could flip on any role i could be a female or a male and and i felt safe that way growing up so you probably know this and most people who listen to this podcast probably know the best called code switching yeah going from one to the other in different environments and so you kind of felt like sometimes it was what beneficial it was acceptable to be um, a boy and so you did what, what what was that pivot what would make you go one way to the other i was definitely had to be the girl around my family uh, acceptance has come a long ways but back then i mean we're talking about the 60s 70s and 80s i mean i don't know if you could you know mount carmel i i didn't see many gays i didn't see lesbians all this so it's like i guess you could say it was a closeted gay i said born gay I mean, but why? There was no one else gay in my family. I was very closeted. It was difficult. It, yeah. it was hard. And, and I, I couldn't be myself in front of my own family because it was a no. Oh, my God. They would have probably sent me to an institution. But once the school, you know, that whole thing that you were talking about kind of outed you. Oh, yeah. What happened? What happened with your family then? Oh, yeah. OK, thank you. The old mind. That's why you're the, the queen of this podcast, because you keep us on our track. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. When, when we had that meeting, they did put me into psychiatrical help. OK, so good. We're going back here. After that, when we got outed, I got depressed because they separated us. They took her out of school and they put her in San Diego with her grandparents. And then she went to that school. So she was gone. We were forbidden to see each other. I fell into a depression and I started to become rebellious. I started to do drugs. I started to feel like, wow, my own family won't even, you know, I couldn't even tell my family, you know, I, I think I'm gay. I think I'm a lesbian. I don't know what I am. And maybe I'm not, I'm a guy. I'm a, you know, just, there were so many questions I had. So they got me help. And uh, when the drugs got involved, I ended up in an institution at San Luis Rey. I was there for six months and it was my sexuality. I was confused about my sexuality. So I was taking it out on drugs I was mad that they broke up me and my girlfriend. I mean, that was my first love, you know, but uh, there's probably something else I'm not bringing up, but maybe I should go back a bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't say my seventh grade was probably my first sexual thing. I never knew what sex was. We all have childhood fears and, you know, growing up, there's always that one person that they define who you're going to become or define who you're going to be. You know, my brother being a surfer and all this and that, our neighborhood where we lived in Penasquitas, everybody knew everyone. Well, there was a guy in the neighborhood and we started hanging out. He was cool. And, you know, he did some surfing with my brother and, you know, he came on to me a couple of times, but he was kind of famine his little way, but he was an older guy. Things had happened. He kind of opened up a Pandora box, I guess you could say, um, yeah, I was raped um, and I was confused at that point because I was with and then, you know, it's like I'm getting older. She, she went away and, you know, John, and then it's just like, okay, well, do I want to be with the guy? I said, what am I? I, I? My sexuality was so out of whack. I mean, when I went away, I thought, okay, well, it was just an experience. And that's what the counselors and stuff were trying to tell me is that was an experience and blah, blah, I'm not a lesbian. You're not this, you're not that. And then, you know, John just happened to be there and, you know, he was older than me and he was in our community 
in our neighborhood in, in Penasquitas, the views. Yeah, he just, I felt safe with him and it was great. And he was the first man I had sex with and I was terrified and it hurt and I hated it, but he was kind of feminist way. I mean, real gentle soul. Oh no, that changed. When my parents found out, they're like, oh God, you know, first now this. And I, that was it. I ran away. I said, that's it. I'm done letting my parents control me. I'm, I'm just, I can't take this. My sexuality was all messed up. John got a job in construction. And so he started to do coke. And make a long story short, he was a little buzzed. He came home. He was mad. Something wasn't done. He had friends with them. They had been drinking. He was doing coke. I was asleep. Well, he come in there trying to be little lovey-dovey. And I, you know, I, I kind of cussed him out, told him to go away. And uh, no, it didn't kind of go that way. His friends come in, what's going on, man? And yeah, okay. You, you, you know what happened. Yeah, he, I was gang raped. And uh, oh my, it, it, wow, it was pretty effed up. Uh, I was mad at my parents. I was mad at being put in psychiatry for. Shit. I was like, I was so gentle. I was safe. I was safe being with women. I'd say, then I try to be normal for my parents and, you know, date this nice guy who I, you know, everybody knows in our neighborhood. You know, I put my trust in this guy and, you know, I lived with him. I lived with his sister. And then that happens. So I was messed up. I was uh, down the streets in San Diego. I think I was uh, 16, 17 years old. I had dropped out of high school. I just kind of kind of disappeared. One of them got me pregnant. Didn't know which one. No. Oh, my. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, man, wow. I was like, oh, my God. It's just like it was almost like a like a war and being lost. It's like I was I had bus fare. I was like just staying on the bus and driving all over San Diego. And, and then, you know, I, I went to 7-Eleven, I had coffee. And then all of a sudden this beautiful woman in this little, I don't know, back then, I guess it was some kind of little car MG. It was like a cheap version of a Corvette. This beautiful blonde pose out. And uh, uh, she had leotards on and she saw me there and I was all banged up. She kind of took a double take. She went in, she came out. She got in her car. She stopped. And, you know, I was like, God, she's going to get out of her car. And it's like, and I, and I, I didn't, I just kept keeping my head down. I was, and she asked me if I was okay. And I said, I'm fine. She says, you don't look kids. Are, and I, I just, I bawled on this complete stranger. I just poured my life out to this woman. Something told me I felt safe with her because she looked, she didn't look like she was going to hurt me. And it was a woman. I mean, a guy, if a guy had approached me, I think God only knows what I would have done. I just got gang raped. So she, you know, she introduced herself. She was soft. She asked if I had eaten. I said, I wasn't hungry. And she said, can I take you to the hospital? I, I was like, you know, no, 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 no. I, I'm okay. I, I really am okay. And, and she, she, you know, after maybe 40 minutes, maybe less than that time had no measurement because it was mm -hmm. like, wow. That was, wow. I'm really glad we're talking about this because it's just, this, uh, it's going to come up one way or another. Only you, the great Lauren, gets to hear it all. But uh, yeah, so she had, you know, comforted me into getting her car. And she told me a little bit about herself. She goes, look, my name's Melinda. And uh, I have a fiance named Chris. He's a great guy. You know, we live over here in San Diego. I'm a dance instructor. She taught tap jazz and ballet. And she was a beautiful soul. And I went there, you know, Chris was the photographer, so he was never home, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I was couch surfing and you know i'm a complete stranger this woman lets me in her house and she's you know kind of mending me and it was good but then you know chris came back we get to know each other and i kind of felt weird when he got there but i was like i would never take a shower there i would like go to the beach and use like the public showers because he was there and i, was, I mean <laughs> i just got gang raped so you know my fear was valid so yeah it's just like i, I remember he was cooking dinner and I was helping him and Melinda was like on her way home or something. But then something happened to where she had to go back to go do something. And he's like, well, you know, me and, me and T, we'll, we'll eat together. Like, that's all right. So then he, he offered me a glass of wine. You know, I'm underage at this, you know. And I was like, sure, you know, and, and we started talking. But then he was trying to ask questions about, you know, you know, are you a lesbian? You know, why are you a tomboy? You know, just personal questions. That, and, and I think he knew a little bit about what had happened to me. But I was like, why is this guy even going there? He knew. I know Melinda told him what happened to me. But Melinda never told him. 
Osmolinda said, mm-hmm. as I was a friend staying there, that I was going through a difficult time. So I thought she had said something to him, but he did. She didn't. So to him, I was probably just this rough looking tomboy chick, whatever. As I was a tomboy, and um, he was getting real touchy feely, you know, like trying mm-hmm. to touch me and blah, so you know but then all of a sudden you know it's like um he started to get a little too pushy and then uh, but to go back a little bit uh while i was there she knew my wounds from being gang raped so chris wasn't able to come over and you know when he finally did he was slowly making his way to meet me and i know i'm missing a lot of gaps but this is so you know i think he was getting tired not be able to spend the night there and not spend much time there. So he, I think he had, you know, planned on making this dinner for us and it just happened to work out to where Melinda was, you know, pushed away to go do something. She couldn't join. So I think Chris was a little upset about everything about, you know, so then he started to let more and more of his personality come out. His man, I'm jealous. I'm pissed personality. He goes, so what's the deal with you? And being, I didn't consider myself a lesbian. But in Chris's eyes, you know, Melinda just said, look, you know, she had a girlfriend, she was a boyfriend, blah, blah. But he didn't know my whole story. So basically, he was making passes at me. And I kept trying to push him off me. And I said, Chris, this ain't going to happen. I said, you know, I'm sorry. He goes, I'll move out. I started packing my bags. Well, he got a little forceful, like angry forceful. Like, you know, I haven't had sex with my fucking girlfriend because of you. And, and I was like, whoa. This nice guy is, I'm like, here we go again. So you can only imagine what I'm going through. And at this point, you know what? It it almost made me feel like I should have been suicidal. This is crazy. Why do I want to go through this? So here's this guy trying to sexually make passes at me. He's pissed because his girlfriend had been there. He's pissed because he hadn't had sex with his girlfriend. He's pissed that the strange no label given is in his girlfriend's house that he's going to marry. He's like, what the hell? Guess who walks in the door? Melinda, mm. him trying to make a pass forcefully on me. And she just, whoof, get the fuck out. And I was like crying. I was off fetal position. And I just started loading my stuff in a trash bag. And I'm like, she's like, where are you going? I was like, I can't. I mean, I was like, oh, man, he's leaving. And he left. And wow. I mean, I was like, <sighs> sorry. <laughs> it was, uh, I think that's when I never wanted to trust a man again. I mean, it's like with John and, and, and what happened with them. And then, you know, just, just trusting humans, any human could have been a guy or a girl. It's just like my trust with anyone wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And Melinda broke me through. We were together five years as lesbians. And that was my lesbian room with Melinda for five years after that. She gave Chris up. We, we're never, I mean, I never knew what sex with the woman was until her. And it, how it happened with me and Melinda was beautiful because I was so fragile, Lauren. I was so fragile. I was like, God, I don't want to go back to the hospital. I'm not crazy. My parents think I'm a lesbian. I'm not a lesbian. I was in denial. And Melinda laughed about it because she would be like, I'm not a lesbian either. <laughs> but I never had my experiences with the guy until John. So mm-hmm. I didn't trust men and I just women. I mean, I was supposed to be a boy growing up, you know? So I guess I had a lot of experiences at a young age. I got to like, I became an adult at probably 13, 14 years old. I mean, I hung around adults. I didn't trust anyone. My I just like, I just, I guess I was a pretty fucked up teenager. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I look back at, all the successful stories of, you know, Jenny, Remy, Brian, I mean, everybody. And, you know, it's just like, I, I was always like, God, where's my successful story? What's it? But then, you know what? I stayed alive. Yeah. That's what I did. I, I conquered my fears. I stayed alive. And, you know, it was something I, I can't say everything happens for a reason. I, I, I believe in that, but I mean, wow. Did being gang raped make me? I mean, you would think, well, why do you want to be a man if you're raped by a man? I mean, no, I, I just, I can't answer that. I can't answer that to this day. I got psych- psychiatry help for that. But I've always loved women. 
But yeah, I mean, going back to when you were little, if you felt like a boy, that your experiences with men mm. shouldn't probably make you feel differently about who you are. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing you, you tell me if I'm wrong, but just because I meet nice people, I meet jerks. That doesn't mean I feel different about who I am and my sexuality, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's who you are is what I'm thinking. I just, you know, it's almost like I was being tested all my life, the Bible. And I love Anyone that comes up, like when you go to gay pride and you see all these protesters, like it's an abomination, same sex marriage. I mean, th that was something I, I was never taught about. I got to live it. I got to see how man treats a woman. I got to see how women cheat on men. I got to see it all. And then when I became into the lesbian gay community growing up at such a young age, I mean, I just like, I liked the whole thought the community was like strong. I thought that's all it was, Lauren. I thought that's all it was. I didn't think I was supposed to marry a man. I was like, no, I'm going to marry a woman. I don't want to marry a man. Why don't I want to marry a man? I was like, I am a man. And it's just like, there's so many labels as, as we grow up. Part of my mission of being an advocate in the transgender community is everybody has a story to why they became who they are. And, and labels are labels. God, I hate labels. I am a human being. You are a human being. And my past is not going to define who I am today. But I will say, I probably maybe could thank my past. I'm not saying I wanted, that should have never. They say there's a reason yeah, for everything. Happened, right? Yeah, but you know what? It doesn't make me hate John for what he did to me. It doesn't make me hate anyone that did me wrong. I mean, my father doesn't want anything to do with me today as a trans man, but he was accepting me being a lesbian. Okay. UK, he's my dad. Well, to me, he's just Jim. I mean, I would love to take back things that happened in my childhood and that, but you know what? It's just like for years growing up, I said, well, you are what you make your life. This is what you're going to be. This is how you're going to be. I didn't lesbian man straight, gay, bisexual, cis. I'm learning all these new things. Like you're a cis woman. I mean, I didn't know these things. I'm still learning these things. But I mean, you go back to Juneteenth and you go back to why gay pride was, I mean, look into the history of it. You know, there's so many, God, it's just like when we talk about it and I just, I love you and buy me to this because nobody, they don't understand the definitions of our community sometimes. You know, everybody in our community has something that tragically happened to him at a young age. Now, I'm not saying, Lauren, to this day, this is why I'm a trans man today, or that's why I went. I mean, no, it, it, you don't have to go through any kind of being gay, trans, or sexually confused. I mean, there are people that have gone through so many traumatic things in their life that uh, it's just life. And the thing, you know, in this world today is, you know, people don't know your story until you hear it. And amen that you do this because yeah, you opened up a Pandora box, but you know what? It feels so good. It feels so good to, you know, if I can help someone not go through the demons I went through, that's what this, that that's, that's my vision. I mean, right. Whew. And it, it, it's got to get better. It's got to be better oh, now than it was in the eighties. I'm Tori yeah. Grimaldi. I'm who I should have been at birth. This is me. I mean, I had the cosmetic surgery, you know, got the facial hairs and all that. So I'm, I feel, finally feel comfortable in my skin. That's amazing. Well, before we get to how you came to that decision of, you know, radically changing your body, let's go back through what you were saying about how everything happens for a reason, because I struggle with that myself. I particularly hate that label, that saying being slapped onto bad things, you know, and that stuff never should have happened in the first place. But how, how do you view God, the universe, fate, serendipity, whatever, as weaving throughout your life, going from all of these bad things to where you are now? Yeah. Well, we all know your parents always set the path for you. And our family was very religious. My father, hate to call him father to this day, but any, my mom was very Roman Catholic and being gay wasn't something that was accepted 
in any of our family. I mean, no, absolutely not. I learned to be myself and, you know, live my true life. I got tired of hiding to where I'm at today. It's just like I made peace with God because put it this way, everything that I have been through, if being trans today, doing what I want to do today was a sin, I think I would have been taken away a long time ago. I have made peace with God so many times in my life, Lauren, that everything I do, everything I say, I always, and it's funny, I think a lot of us humans do this, that we'll look up and be like, God, forgive me, but this is what I'm going to do right now. I mean, there were times where my faith in God, I always made my peace with God, always made my peace with God. I had faith to where I didn't feel it was in my heart to have a sin. I know the Bible, everything says it's an abomination. I just felt I made my peace with God a long time ago when I was young and all that happened to me because who is the most person when you're failing, you're dying, you ask for one name and you yell for one name. Oh, God, help me. I talked to him so many times growing up because I was confused teenager. I was a confused young adult. My faith in God never left. People tried to redirect me like, well, if you believe in God and the Holy Spirit, you're sinning. I was like, I'm not sinning. I would always question them. I'm not sinning. My faith in God was always been there. And I, 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 I didn't think anyone should ever try to bring up sexuality versus your religion, but that's what's wrong with this society these days is people think that's what it is, is that having faith in God or is it a Christian thing to do? And it was hard because, you know, my, my mom disowned me because of her religious, her religious beliefs when she found out I was gay. I mean, would my mom accept me today for being a trans man in her Christian eyes? No. And she would probably feel the guilt because growing up, she always told me in the churches, uh, this is my, she never said daughter in churches. She never introduced me as Teresa, my daughter. This is my little one. This is my little one. So I knew somewhere in my mom's soul and her heart, you know, but then she had to go through the whole Christian thing of first confirmation and baptism. God, I had to wear a dress. I remember asking my mom on the way to go get confirmed that day. I said, mom, I said, if you know I'm gay and I like women, she goes, no, that's ridiculous. You're not. So that was the kind of thing as growing up is I was told that it was a sin to man should be with woman, woman should be with man. And that was a faith my mom gave me. But my mom, she knew all my girlfriends. So, I mean, I just, I guess I wasn't really... Right now, you know, we're fighting it because, you know, it's always society and religion. But I just I never knew that it was a, re a wrong religious thing. I didn't know it was a sin. But why could there be two Eves or two Adams? That was the kind of things I used to tell my parents. So you said about that you've made your peace with God. Yeah. How, did you wrestle with the idea of why did you do this to me, God? I should have been born a boy. I did have those fight club sessions with him privately in my head, I would, I would cuss him out. I would say, this is your fault. Why? Why? I, I used to beg him to take me away. I said, if this is not what you want me to do, why did this? Uh, I never lost my faith in God. But yes, Lauren, I used to blame him. God Almighty. I used to blame him saying, if this is not my path, why was he let me have it? But you know what? Footprints. Footprints was a big thing in my life mm. because if you know mm. the, the footprint story behind it, if you know, I always, I, I, I would always question his, like, you never picked me up. Why did you ever pick me up? I mean, oh my God, I used to tell myself I'm going to hell. I'm arguing with God. I mean, I think every human has probably argued with God. They have probably, mm -hmm. you know, said, why, why, why? Because, you know, he holds the answers. He holds the truth. But the biggest thing is the faith. I think I had the most stubborn faith. In my heart, I feel like I've had stubborn faith because I believe in God and I'm always going to believe in God. I mean, um, I, I questioned him so many times, Lauren, and I blamed him a lot of times, too. But I was young. Who else are you going to blame when you're young? It wasn't my parents' fault. They didn't promote me to 
be confused with my sexuality, but I wasn't confused with my sexuality. It was just, I was taught that you can't be gay because God didn't make you gay. Oh, I heard that growing up. So remember at the beginning, I said that I'm going to ask stupid things. I might say the wrong thing. No, 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 absolutely not. So let's go back. I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. I have no idea what time. Let's say whenever Lady Gaga's I was born this way song came out. (laughs) And there was this whole, I'm not sure movements, the right word, but let's say philosophy of God doesn't make mistakes. I was born this way. Don't judge, um, you know, like that sort of philosophy. And okay, I get that. I totally get that. But how does that mentality work in the trans community? If you are not born into the body that you feel is you? Well, should we talk about this, the comfort. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I've always wanted to hope that one day, you know, like when I moved to Baltimore or Tulsa, I got to see the trans community. And I was like, wow, you know, that used to be a girl. And I was like, I want to do that. To be comfortable in my own skin, I was just like, I was scared and I couldn't do it. A, I was working for the post office. B, depends on my partner at the time. And I was so curious, but yet I I had to live a double life. I I couldn't just come out. And so moving back to California, after I went through my disability, I just, I I started to really find my sexuality. Like I'm done hiding. I don't want to be Terry the lesbian. I'm going to change my name. I'm doing everything. So when I first moved to California, I changed my name to Tori Andre Grimaldi. I got rid of my biological name. I just, I'm not even promoting my dad's side of family anymore. I, I'm, I'm an Italian. You know, I'm a Grimaldi. I was born a Grimaldi. And so this, I had to put all in my head when I moved back to California is, I'm a boy, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. And then it started to come out to where I started to open up to my sister and my niece and nephew. Like when I changed my name to Tori, from Teresa to Tori, my sister confronted me and she says, so uh, you getting a sex change? I was like, Okay. I was like, where the fuck did that come from? I was, wow. And this is the kind of stuff that I had to go through with my own flesh and blood. It was just like, and my sister had no filter. We're Italian. We don't have filters. And she's putting on her makeup and I'm just kind of sitting there. I was like, yeah, Rita, it's like, uh, I'm Tori. She goes, so is it he, him, they, them, she, he? I couldn't answer her. Mm. I didn't know. So... You know, after my settlement, I tried to proceed with my transition, but I was a lost puppy. I had to reach out to two of our high school friends because uh, I was so confused, Lauren. I was like, what's next? What do I do? This is it. I'm a guy. I'm a man. I'm ready to do this. What's next? I had no idea. I was screaming to come out of my skin. I didn't know what to do. I I, I was like, oh, my God, everybody knows me as a lesbian. I'm going to lose so many friends. I got to the point where I said, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to move on. This is my life. I don't care who judged me. I don't care who I lose. I was so worried in my past about losing so many people that this is it. This is now. I'm Tori Andre Grimaldi. I'm a trans man. What do I got to do? So I screamed for help. I needed someone to kind of bring me out of my funk. I was almost on the brink of suicide. And I got help. I reached out to one of our classmates. She became my life coach. And oh my God, the transformation from our sessions till now. And then I got help from our one and only Miss Jenny Real. I mean, how long have I been gay and in the community? And I didn't even know who to call, be like, I'm confused. I want to trans. I just, I didn't know. Uh, boom. Jenny had all the answers. I made a phone call. And boom. It's like I was finally taking that step to becoming the man I've always wanted to be. And I didn't have to hide anymore. I was like, okay, am I going to do this? Am I going to go the whole nine yards? And they did all that. I mean, uh, I got psychiatry. They said, so are you going to have the top surgery? I was like, I want it all. Well, then they're like down yonder too. I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a little too fast. So yeah, it's just like when I finally got tired of hiding and I moved back to California, I was trying to come out to my family. And then my sister kind of 
kicked me out. COVID came. I was like a lost soul. I was like, wow, what's next type deal? You know, I'm ready to finally transition. And now we're going through this. So I was ready to come out of my skin. I said, you know what? This is it. I've been waiting too long. I'm tired of hiding. So yeah, God, God sent me wonderful manifest. Just, I've been like blessed with so my universe just, it's like I had to go through so much shit to come to this day. (laughs) That train is like, I know I can. I know I can. I, yes, I can. I, yes. That's been my whole life. And I was like, when am I ever going to get to the top? I finally made it. I'm here. And I finally came out of the dark. I, it's the testosterone, Lauren. The testosterone was like, like a magic pill. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It saved my life. It saved my life. Can you explain that, please? What do you mean? I think I've always had masculine features growing up. I mean, yeah, I had the deep voice, but you even said, wow, after you had heard my voice after three years, you're like, wow. I mean, it was like, you know, when I got to move here, I got to learn, I got to see, uh, for one, my nurse in Tulsa transitioned. Some friends I've known forever have transitioned out here. I'm like, oh my God. And so I was like, tell me, tell me, tell me. I was like a kid in a candy store. And I was just like, yeah. And then, you know, Jenny giving me the information and Rem and me boosting me up. I was like, ready to do this, got on the phone. And then the next thing you know, my insurance is covering my this and that. And I was like, and everything happened so fast. Come December, I got on HRT therapy, December 22nd, 2020. I had my first shot of testosterone. And that first shot when she injected it, because she showed me how to do it. Wow. It's like, the surge of just the cocoon broke loose. I mean, as soon as I had that first shot, I was like, all my doubts of my sexuality, everything were set free. It was like, like I was given a dose of courage, like, like a dose of courage. That first testosterone shot, December 22nd, 2020. As soon as that went in there, and I, 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 w- I just, I started to cry and, and she said, to, it's okay. It's okay. And then she gave me a hug and I felt like there was nothing that could stop me. I felt like, wow, this is like power juice. And then going forward with my top surgery, getting that taken care of. And then going through the merry-go-round of, you have to see a state psychiatry, you know, they got to make sure you're not crazy. Like, is this what you really want? You know, and I got I'm not going to give names, but friends and family were like, you sure you want to chop your tits off? Why don't you just get a breast reduction? All right, you don't get it. It's what we call a gender dysphoria. Uh, having these things that were mistakenly put there by the wrong stork or whoever puts them. I mean, yeah, we know the creation. This is why God loves me so much is because he knows how I talk. I'm Italian. There's no filters. So I just was like, yes, moving so fast, Lauren my first HRT to where that first shot to where, you know, I said, you know, I was supposed to do it before COVID hit because I had my settlement from the post office for my disability, but God told me it wasn't time to do it then. And I'm glad because I wouldn't have been able to just be me because look what happened. COVID came. And then the election, the, the BLM, it's just like, I always feel that God has a reason for everything. And the way he put my path I am just a happy, lucky guy. I'm blessed because I I had my HRT therapy in December. And then, you know, I got with the state psychiatry and then boom, he said, okay, we're going to schedule. And then boom, I get a phone call. I'm like, wow. And then, you know, it was kind of crazy. You know, they lost my paperwork for the approval. And then it was like, for some reason, it's not that they broke protocol, but then, you know, UCSD, plastic surgery, you know, Christopher Reed had his people call me and they said, you know, let's get him in here. We can't let this guy wait no more. You know, screw it. We'll work around this. So I was like, wow. So they're like, don't worry about it. Your paperwork's out there. We got you come in, do it. So I was like, in just less than a month, my dream's coming true. I was going to have my top surgery, but uh, I got a phone call. They had bumped it up. I was like, wow, 
Remy has taught me the universe. And I remember we talked about this too. Everything just happens for a reason. Like when you ask, you receive. Remy used to say, you know, when I was helping you, there was a time when I need to help myself. It's like a domino effect. So there was a reason why, you know, UCSD hadn't got to know me. They didn't even know, get to know me till they got to know me. And, you know, we were sitting down and they had a slot and they're like, Tori, 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 Tori. And they're like, yes, yes. And like, oh my God, we love him, blah, blah. And that good feeling. And they chose me. And I got that phone call. It was like the best thing that has happened in my life, Lauren. Yeah, now, I'm, now uh, big boys do cry. But that was uh, mm. is what changed my whole life. Is, uh, I finally get to be in the body that I should have been born with. And that was big to me. And yeah, that was like the biggest thing is I didn't have to hide anymore. So with that said, I think I'm good with God because why are all these sudden miracles happening in my life when I went through a lot? I told God, I said, I'll do everything you ask of me from here on out. Just I want this. And you know what? Boy, did he answer my prayers. We're talking December to, to March. That's quick. Some of these trans brothers and sisters of mine, they have to wait a long time. They have to live in this cocoon. And and, and, and I, I just, I ache for them because I was blessed. I'm good with God because he answered my prayers. Who else would put me here? The universe did, yes. God did, yes. My strong willed, yes. Because I have it tattooed here in Italian, Forte Volanta. Wait, what's it say? It says Forte Volanta. And what's that mean? In Italian, it means strong-willed. Lucky guy I am. My dreams. I mean, like my journey. Bam. That was it. I think having that surgery was, I'm not going to say my final destination, but it's pretty darn close. Right. Well, I want to get to what's coming up next, but I have one question before sure, that. Sure. So, so, you know, you start taking testosterone. And then you get rid of your breasts. <laughs> How, not people who knew you before, but strangers, people who you had never met. Okay? Yeah, yeah. They're meeting you for the first time yeah. as a guy. Yeah. How did the world treat you differently as a man than it did as a woman? Oh, my God. I don't get the uh, cock blocking attitude from, you know, it's like as a lesbian, when I, you know, a guy comes up, change oil or something like that, like. You're just a girl, you know, even if I'm lesbian, they push me out of the way. Now it's like the respect, like, yeah, bro. Yeah, man. It's like, I'm more or less invited into a conversation or circle things, guide things. I'm like, wow, I'm passing as a cis guy. You know, this is kind of awesome. Uh -huh. So I think I have more pride and stride. I used to, you know, here's the best way to describe it. And this is how I describe myself. I can never carry myself whole as a, girl trying to be a guy tomboy butch lesbian whatever now that i'm a trans man i'm like i used to always slouch well of course you know getting rid of the uh, roomies the unnecessary luggage helped my back problems and now i'm like my stride my walk is different my body language is different i mean being in a man's body is just different as a matter of fact i always said my friends so so how do you feel i was like i was like well the way i always felt no animals should be kept in a fenced area or a well should be set free. What happens when you see a well in captivity? His fins like this, right? You set him free. Free Willy! That's how I've always felt, Lauren. Until now, my fins are up. I don't feel like I'm being held captive by my own demons, by society, by anyone. I came out of my... I'm in the skin I want to be in. So... I'm valid. I'm a trans man and I'm proud. So let's wrap up on what's happening next, you know, as far as future surgeries or whatever is in your pipeline. Everyone keeps asking me the question, are you going to get the bottom surgery? Nope. I decided that is my, I have some trans guy friends and trans brothers. Uh, it's a very difficult surgery. I'm 53 years old. I don't need to have a package down below to feel valid, to be a man. I am a man. I looked onto it. And a lot of times, if you do the history of it, bottom surgery, you lose your sex drive. Mm. 
I mean, there's a lot of complications. I just, you know, that's the thing too, is where we're getting mocked at is, you know, if you don't have the full body parts, you're not who you say you are, but no, I am a man. I felt I was born a man, just I was vesseled in the wrong body. So I'm not going to get the bottom surgery. I'm happy with where I'm at today. Okay. And you, so you still have uh, uterus and ovaries? Nope. That's uh, uh, 2017. I had a full hysterectomy. Uh, okay. okay. So I have no women parts anymore. Yeah. That's a big dysphoria in the transgender world. Trans men is having, you know, those monthly bills. It, it's, I, I, I hear so many stories with it. So yeah, I was blessed to have that done. I was very blessed to have that done. So you were going to say, because I derailed you, you were going to say what's coming next. As you do know, one thing that an interest that I'm having, I'll just give a little hint. I'm working on developing a, a more physical body that I feel comfortable in. I'm getting into the world of trans modeling. I'm really into loving my body when I look at it. I mean, I, my, <laughs> my roommate says, why do you always take selfies? I'm just like, I, I love who I am. I just looking at myself. I'm like, God, I guess I'm dating myself because I, I think I'm a sexy fuck. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm coming into this new skin. You know, there, there, there's a lot of opportunities coming. I just, when the opportunity comes, I'm, whether it's God or the creation or my universe or anything, Remy went through this. And that's why, you know, I'm kind of prepared for it is whatever comes my way and whatever I decide to do with my career or my life. Yeah. I'll know when it happens. What do you want to say as like we end this episode as the final thing that you do want to put out in the universe? I signed up over a couple a year or so ago to be a big brother for trans teens of San Diego. Huh. What I want to do after being with Remy and Remy bringing me out of my hole, I thought there's something that I want to do. I've decided that part of my career path that I need to, I want to, to be a life coach. Cool. You've all heard my story coming out as a lesbian, finding my sexuality, finally to this day, being happy who I am today. I am Tori Andre Grimaldi. I am a trans man. The world today, I think since the COVID, the Black Lives Matters, the election, it changed a lot of people. It made me stronger. It made me look at life different. And as you can see, what I'm so in awe right now, Lauren, is our new gay flag, pride flag, all this. I think we're starting to be accepted more in society. It's your time now today. With what we went through in the last two years, I was going to say is coming out twice. I came out twice. It's okay. And just don't go through some of the things that I went through of hiding and pretending. And I mean, some people have it in them to fight head on. I will admit that I was a follower growing up. I wasn't a leader, but today I'm a leader. Just learn to just love who you are. You have to be comfortable in your own skin. And if you want to do that cosmetically, it's okay. I'm still here. I'm living proof that it's okay. I believe in God. I mean, God is the only person I can trust sometimes. I'll end this with one thing that I've never given up on is self-love. You've got the world if you have that. And I can take on anything because that is the number one thing in my life is I learned to love myself. Well, that is a great takeaway and a great place to end it. I want to thank you so much for your vulnerability and telling us your story. And thank you. Did you know I was this much of a hot mess? <laughs> but in a good way. <laughs> I did. I did. It was my pleasure. So, Revelers, you made it to the end. And you may be thinking that you can't relate at all to Tori's story. But I bet most of you are thinking that there's something in his story about finding your true self and being able to live your own true life that is resonating and maybe it's touched on something in your past that you want to work through and the best place to do it is with a trained professional who 
won't get tired of talking to you about the same thing, who won't criticize, who won't judge, who will say the right things, and will really help you work through anything that's going on in your life. So obviously there are counselors in your area and that might be the best thing for you. But if you cannot find the right person in your area, please check out betterhelp.com. That's better H-E-L-P.com. They have counselors all around the country and they will find someone who is right for you at the right time. And whether it's over the phone or by text or by video call or whatever, whatever that is going to help you the most. And they also have financial aid. I don't talk about that enough, but I want you to know that there is financial aid available through betterhelp.com. So please check them out. You'll get a savings off of your first month subscription if you use the link or the drop down in their menu for Revel Revel. And that also supports me. And I want to support you and you support me and I'll be a big happy family. So thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Tori. And next episode will be an author with a book coming out in August. Talk to you more soon. Mm-hmm.